Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, we are going to talk about getting doctors to talk to you or otherwise disclose information about someone else's health, usually an older parent or another relative. So this is an issue that comes up often for family caregivers, and you've probably already heard the name of the federal rule that is often invoked when it comes to communication with health professionals. It's called the HIPAA privacy rule, and that's H-I-P-A-A. Now, all doctors have heard of HIPAA, and many patients and family members have too, but it's actually quite common for there to be misunderstandings about HIPAA's rules regarding the disclosure of medical information. And those misunderstandings exist both on the clinical side among healthcare professionals and then also in the minds of patients and family members. And this is unfortunate because it means that situations that are already a little bit challenging can be made even more difficult and stressful because the communication between patients and families and the doctors can be impaired. And this is unfortunate because older adults and families often end up in situations in which it would help families to be able to get some information about an older relative's health. For instance, fairly common for older people to have a health emergency, to go to the emergency room, to be hospitalized, or sometimes they've been hospitalized and suddenly they get worse, they get confused. And in those situations, understandably, families often want to be able to talk to the doctors and nurses, and sometimes they encounter some resistance and they're told that it's not possible due to HIPAA. So that's one common type of situation. Another one that I see come up a lot is outside the emergency room and hospital. And that's when families become concerned about an older person declining physically or mentally. So if you haven't been in the situation yet, chances are you know someone else who has become concerned about an older parent or another older relative who just seems to be doing worse, who you worry isn't taking care of themselves, or maybe is starting to become paranoid or confused or forgetful. And families may, um, may become a bit uh, worried and wonder what is going on health-wise. Now, it's exactly right to wonder about the health issues because most problems that worry families do track back to an underlying health problem. And some of those are treatable, right? Some of them are medication side effects or another health problem that is spiraling out of control that can be treated. So you don't want to wave it off and say, oh, it's Alzheimer's and there's nothing to do. And you especially don't want to say, oh, well, since there's no written HIPAA authorization, there's no way to talk to the doctor. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the ways that you still might be able to talk to the doctor in that situation. And there are even some options available if the older person is resisting the involvement of family or says, uh, no, I don't want you to talk to the doctor. So 
as you can see, it's important to understand at least the basics about HIPAA and a couple of practical aspects of it that are especially relevant to family caregivers. This is so useful that, in fact, the American Bar Association has a handout 10 legal tips for caregivers, and one of their items that they include is know your rights of access to health information. So in this episode, uh, I'm going to try to help you understand the basics, what's most useful to learn, because that'll help you be better equipped to get information that you need from doctors when it comes to a family member's health. But also this is going to help you even plan ahead and think about your own health and your own future, because most of us will probably end up in a situation where we're unwell and our families need to talk to doctors about us. So if you understand HIPAA better, you can actually lay some groundwork to make that a little easier for your family and friends to help you when the time comes. Now, I do have an article covering this on Better Health While Aging, new article that I'm just publishing this week. So all this information will be there. I will link to it in the show notes. Also in researching this article, I relied heavily on this website that I love. Health and Human Services has a really good website about HIPAA with a section for individuals that explains your rights and how HIPAA works for the general public, but also a very useful section for professionals. And the FAQs in particular can be super useful, I think, to the general public. So I'm going to be drawing on those references a lot. And I'll post some links to some of those uh, pages in the show notes and the rest of them will be in the article. For the episode, I'm going to start by covering five key basic things that I think are good to know about HIPAA. And then I'm going to address five frequently asked questions that often come up for family caregivers. And then at the end, I'll finish with some practical tips. So key basics about HIPAA. So first and foremost, what is HIPAA? HIPAA stands for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And it's a federal law passed in 1996. And among other things, HIPAA required Congress actually to take action to put in some safeguards for the privacy of people's health information. And HIPAA stipulated that if Congress didn't do it within a certain time frame, then the Department of Health and Human Services should draft rules on that front. So Congress didn't get around to it. Health and Human Services is often abbreviated HHS. So they created this federal privacy rule for health providers and health plans, which governs how these entities must protect the privacy of an individual's medical information, and compliance has been mandatory since 2003. There are also some other aspects technically to the original HIPAA legislation, which aren't so relevant for now, so I'm going to skip those. But also, you should know that HIPAA not only covers what health providers can do and how they protect your health information, but it also actually gives individuals certain rights regarding access to their own health information. People don't always know that, but that's actually quite important. And I'm going to talk about that more in this episode because that right of access to health information is also extended to an individual's authorized personal representative. And so sometimes as a family member, you might actually qualify as being that authorized personal representative. And so you might have some options to access health information through that route. Now, uh, back to the privacy rule. So again, it says that quote unquote covered entities must take certain steps to keep a person's health information confidential and secure. Who are the covered entities? 
So covered entities means health providers, health insurers, and many others whose daily work involves the handling of individuals' medical information. On the other hand, private citizens and family caregivers are not covered by the privacy rule. So this means that you as an individual do not have to maintain your health information confidential in the same way that health providers do. Now, there are certainly reasons why you might want to take safeguards because there's important information there that you wouldn't want stolen or fall into the the wrong hands, but you're not covered by HIPAA's rules the way doctors like me are. And as a family caregiver, you're not. So people sometimes tell me, well, I can't call the doctor and tell them this or that because of HIPAA. Well, actually you can call the doctor. You can tell them whatever you want because you're not covered by HIPAA. Now, the doctor is going to have HIPAA's rules covering what the doctor can disclose to you but you can always contact someone else's clinician and relay information or concerns. It's important to know that. Also, in this episode, I'm not going to get into the deep details about the protection and privacy of everybody's health information, but you should know that there are quite a lot of organizations that have health information about you that are also not considered covered entities. And so they don't have to follow these privacy and security rules. They include life insurers. They include employers, most schools and school districts, uh, some state agencies, uh, law enforcement agencies, and municipal offices. So if in general you're concerned about the privacy of your health information, don't assume that everyone in their work capacity has to be protecting it because many organizations are not required to do that. But virtually all the health providers that you will come into contact with do need to follow HIPAA's privacy and security rules. Now, how do covered entities, so that means clinicians, hospitals, health insurance, how do they have to comply with HIPAA's privacy rule in regards to your health information? That can get pretty complicated to explain. We're gonna cover a few relevant examples later in this episode. The main thing that I want you to know at this point is that this often, but does not always, mean taking steps to make sure that patients are in agreement before their health information is shared with other people. And people often think of HIPAA as a sort of blocking system, you know, where the priority is to keep your information private. But HIPAA was originally intended to balance a person's right to privacy with the very real and important need for health providers to communicate with others in order to properly care for a patient and act in the patient's best interest. So HIPAA does actually allow doctors to share information with each other and even with family caregivers under certain circumstances. And we're gonna talk more about those circumstances in the episode. If you wanna learn more about the um, HIPAA privacy rule, In technical detail, I'll link to a summary, a sort of technical summary of the rule online. And then I also recommend taking a look at this very good plain English summary of your rights as an individual under HIPAA, and I'll link to that as well. So next thing to know about HIPAA is what information is protected by HIPAA. So the privacy rule protects all individually identifiable health information that is held or transmitted by a covered entity, no matter what form it's in. So first of all, HIPAA applies to health information that is being stored, held, or disclosed, or transferred to another person, whether that is happening orally, 
whether that's happening in writing and whether that is happening electronically. And then the health information itself is often referred to as, quote, protected health information. And if you read a lot of materials that are intended for professionals, this is abbreviated PHI. And this basically covers information that relates to a person's past, present, or future physical or mental health or conditions, also relates to any healthcare provided to a person, so that would include clinical notes, lab results, and then also past, present, or future payments related to a person's healthcare, so that covers medical billing records. In other words, this is information that is usually created by and stored by health providers and insurers. However, HIPAA also covers demographic data and any information that can be used to identify a person, such as names and addresses. For practical purposes, generally you should assume that all the information that you're interested in is going to qualify as protected health information. So the issue when families are talk, trying to talk to health professionals is not, does this qualify as as a protected health information, the issue usually is more, is discussing this permitted under HIPAA's rules given these circumstances? Next item number three, what should you know about HIPAA's rules on disclosing of protected health information? So again, this applies to covered entities disclosing the protected health information. You as, as individuals, as family caregivers are not covered, so you don't have to observe the same limitations. But you will be able to sort out these negotiations with clinicians more easily if you understand a few of the fundamentals about what HIPAA says about disclosing. Basically, according to the summary of the privacy rule, it says, quote, a covered entity may not use or disclose protected health information except either one, as the privacy rule permits or requires, or two, as the individual who is the subject of the information or the individual's personal representative authorizes in writing. So, in other words, doctors are allowed to disclose health information if a person authorizes it in writing, or if the privacy rule either allows it or requires it. So many of you have probably experienced that people are always asking you to authorize in writing. That's fine, but it's important to realize that there is this other pathway where a written authorization is not strictly speaking required if the situation otherwise qualifies as one of these permitted forms of disclosure or even required forms of disclosure. I now want to talk a little bit about the difference between being required to disclose and being permitted to disclose, because that sometimes is at the heart of some of the confusion and misunderstandings about HIPAA. Basically, the difference is that when doctors are required to disclose health information, they have to do it, whether or not they want to. And if they don't do it, then they are actually violating HIPAA and can get a complaints and sanctions against them on that front. And in a moment, I'll tell you uh, in which situation they are required to disclose information. Whereas when they are permitted to disclose information, they are allowed to do it, but they don't have to. That means that they can disclose the information and have the conversation or send the information, but they also are allowed to refuse to do it. And that's legal unless there are other federal or state or local laws that apply in the situation. So now you might be wondering, well, under what circumstances are health providers required or permitted to disclose health information? 
So it's a little easier to talk about required disclosures. And one of them is really, really important for you to know about as a patient and as a family caregiver. And that's this. Health providers must disclose protected health information when individuals or their personal representatives request access to their protected health information. So basically, HIPAA guarantees you as an individual a right of access to your complete medical record. So if you ask for it, the doctor has to give it to you. Now, they don't have to make it easy for you, even though HIPAA encourages them to do so. They have to do it within 30 days. Usually, they're encouraged to do it faster, but Many of them will sort of uh, set up a few hoops. They are also, I think, allowed to make you pay if you need things copied. So it's, it's not necessarily easy, but you can request it and then they have to give it to you. You're also allowed to request that they give it to somebody else, whether that's a private individual or another provider, and then they have to do it as well. And then lastly, if you are authorized to act for another person, such as for your older parent or another relative or a friend, if you're authorized to act because you're their durable power of attorney for healthcare or otherwise have the authority to make health decisions for them under state law, then you can make that request on the person's behalf and the doctor has to give you the medical information. So that's the main relevant situation in which healthcare providers have to disclose information. They also have to disclose information to the Department of Health and Human Services if it's requested for auditing, for compliance, and a few other situations. Now, what about permitted disclosures of health information? So under many different circumstances, health providers are allowed but not required to disclose information even without obtaining the patient's written permission. Things do start getting a little trickier here because that list of permissions is a lot longer and more involved. And if you want to learn about all the different types of permitted disclosures, then I would encourage you to take a look at that summary of the privacy rule, which I'm going to link to below. But I think what's most useful for regular people and for families is to learn from the FAQs that Health and Human Services has published online because they sort of illustrate common situations that come up and that people have questions about. And HHS actually has two sets of FAQs. They have one for individuals, which is fairly short and a much longer one for professionals. And within the professional one, there's a subsection called disclosures to family and friends. And that's the part that I highly encourage you to keep track of because later when you're stuck, you can go back there and find lots of useful information. So we're going to go into some of those FAQs in a moment. But for now, the main thing you should know is that in many cases, health providers are allowed but not required to disclose health information to others, even if a patient doesn't give written or even verbal permission for this. In particular, health providers are permitted to disclose information when a patient lacks capacity to give consent if the clinician decides that the disclosure is in the best interest of the patient. I'm not going to go into capacity right now in this episode, but that's a topic that I covered in episode That's a topic that I covered in episode 38, and I also have a related article if you want to learn more about figuring out when an older person may have lost the capacity to make decisions, including the decision of whether or not to have the doctor talk to you or to other people about his or her health. 
Now, before we get into the FAQs, I have two more things that I want to mention, basics about HIPAA. One is the minimum necessary requirement. What should you know about HIPAA's minimum necessary requirement? So the HIPAA privacy rule does describe a principle of minimum necessary use and disclosure, and basically says that the covered entity must make reasonable efforts to only use and disclose the minimum amount of protected health information that is needed for the situation. So this means that when they are disclosing health information to a family member or to someone else under these permitted situations, they should really do it on a need-to-know basis. So they're not supposed to tell you about other aspects of the person's medical uh, history that aren't relevant to the situation at hand. They're just supposed to disclose what needs to be shared for the patient's health and well-being and to facilitate the coordination of care. Now, this minimum necessary requirement does not apply to all disclosures. If you as a patient ask for the right to inspect your health record. The doctor cannot say, I'm only going to show you the minimum necessary. They're supposed to let you access all of it. And then also the minimum necessary requirement does not apply to disclosure to or request by a healthcare provider for treatment. So in other words, if your doctor refers you to another doctor uh, for treatment, they can send your whole chart along. They do not have to do just the need to know for that. So now moving on to number five, what is a quote HIPAA release? So I hear people often asking questions or bringing this up, the issue of a, some kind of HIPAA release or waiver or authorization. What is this referring to? Well, many health providers and other covered entities will require a patient to sign a written authorization before they disclose protected health information to others. And so this is sometimes called the HIPAA release or waiver or sometimes called a release of information authorization. However, you should know that the HIPAA privacy rule itself does not actually require that health providers do this. Instead, the privacy rule says that it is optional for doctors and other covered entities to get written permission before using or disclosing protected health information for one of the permitted purposes. So in other words, even though it's very common for health providers to ask patients to sign written authorizations before talking to family members or otherwise disclosing health information, it's not strictly required by HIPAA. The fact that they're asking for that either reflects a clinic's policies, and understandably, clinics are often uh, risk adverse, and they don't want to run the risk of being accused of a violation of confidentiality. So they kind of cross their T's and dot their I's by requiring these uh, written forms. Or sometimes it's the preference of an individual clinician because they want to avoid being accused of failing to protect somebody's confidentiality. But since HIPAA doesn't actually uh, require it itself, it is actually possible for clinicians under certain circumstances to disclose information, either because a person has verbally consented, or as I'm going to sort of describe in the FAQs, clinicians actually have the permission to um, infer that it's in the person's um, best interest. They actually have more leeway than people sometimes realize, and we're going to talk about that as we discuss the FAQs. So let me now cover a couple specific FAQs because I think that makes it easier to talk about the HIPAA details. I have five of them to share with you today. So number one, is written permission always required for a doctor to be able to talk to me about my older parents' health? As I was just explaining, the answer to that is no. 
because for permitted disclosures of health information, HIPAA does not require that a patient give written permission. And instead, clinicians are allowed to either use a patient's verbal consent, or they can even, HIPAA says it's okay for clinicians to give patients an opportunity to object and proceed if they don't object, or even to, quote, reasonably infer based on professional judgment that the patient does not object. So if your parent brings you or brings somebody else into the exam room for the office visit, the clinician is allowed to uh, say, well, it's a reasonable conclusion that if they brought this person in for this conversation, they don't object to the person hearing their private medical information. I personally often speak to patients' children on the phone because patients tell me it's okay to do so verbally. Now, what I do is I usually document in the chart, the person told me on this day that this was okay. It's always good to document things as a clinician, but again, you don't necessarily have to have them sign a special release for that. Last but not least, HIPAA does say that if the patient is not present or if it's impractical because of emergency circumstances or because the patient is incapacitated, if that makes it impractical for the clinician to ask the patient about discussing his or her care with family members, uh, HIPAA says that clinicians can go on and disclose information if it's necessary for care and they think that doing so is in the best interest of the patient. If you want to learn more about this, in the article, I share links to some of the specific FAQs on the government's HIPAA website that will explain this in more detail. And these are really useful. I mean, they address situations like, if I don't object, can my healthcare provider share or discuss my health information with my family, friends, or others involved in my care or payment for my care? If I'm unconscious or not around, can my health provider still share or discuss my health information with my family and friends? And uh, do I have to give my healthcare provider written permission to share or discuss health information? So let me move on now to another common question that I hear caregivers asking. Number two, can doctors talk to me about my older parents' health during an emergency? The answer is yes, HIPAA allows this type of disclosure, so doctors are permitted to update you about your parents' health during an emergency. Furthermore, HIPAA actually does not require providers to ask caregivers for proof of identity before disclosing that information. That said, certain hospitals or clinics may have a policy of verifying identity somewhat. HIPAA really sort of is a kind of the floor, the minimum that doctors and clinicians and hospitals have to do, and some of them may choose to do more. Just because those clinicians are permitted to disclose information doesn't mean they have to do it. And if the patient is incapacitated and sort of can't participate in the decision or can't be asked, Clinicians are allowed to wait until the patient has an opportunity to agree to the disclosure, especially if it doesn't seem that the patient is going to be harmed by the wait. So frequently asked question number three, my older parent doesn't want his doctor to talk to me. What can I do? So again, this is that situation that I mentioned in the beginning of the episode where a family becomes concerned about an older person's either changes in memory or thinking or physical decline or something else that starts to worry them. And some older adults will resist their family's suggestion or request that the family be allowed to talk to the doctor and learn more about what might be going on health-wise. So what can be done? First of all, as a family member, you want to remember that you are not a covered entity. So whether or not a doctor is permitted to disclose 
anything to you or chooses to disclose anything to you. HIPAA doesn't prevent you from contacting your parents' doctor and relaying any concerns or information you have. And if you're concerned, I would actually encourage you to bring up your concerns and what you've observed to the doctor. You can call and the doctor may or may not call you back. Doctors are busy, uh, but some of them will, depending on the relationship that they have with the patient and the family, or sometimes they'll have their nurse call you back and kind of uh, record what you say. And the good thing about calling is that it conveys the information quickly. The other thing you can do, and I actually recommend doing both, I recommend calling and then following up with your concerns in writing and sending them in. And the reason for that is that in many clinics, whatever is written and sent in gets scanned and put in the person's chart. And you can even mention your questions. Now, the doctor may well uh, not answer them, either feel that they that it's not an allowable disclosure or choose not to, but it's good for an older person's doctor to know what kinds of questions a family has. A good doctor will realize that family is an important part of an older person's health and life situation, and whatever concerns a family has brings up both health issues and social issues that the doctor can help address for the overall better well-being of the older patient. So I say always like bring up your concerns and make sure the doctor knows about them. Now, you may want to go beyond that and actually hear something back from the doctor. So if your parent has specifically told the doctor to not talk to you, what are your options? One thing to consider is the possibility of incapacity. And when I say incapacity, I mean an older person having temporarily or permanently lost the mental capacity to make or consider a certain decision. And again, I'll have links on the show notes page to the related podcast episode on this topic and the related article. So you want to consider the possibility of the person being incapacitated. And another thing I'm going to link to is in 2013, Carol Levine, who was my guest on one of the podcast episodes. She's a real expert in family caregivers. I interviewed her in episode 15. She's been very interested in these HIPAA issues around patients and families accessing information. So in 2013, she interviewed the head of the Office of Civil Rights, which is actually the agency responsible for enforcing HIPAA and investigating violations. So she interviewed him about HIPAA and they actually addressed this he actually addressed this situation of, you know, if a patient objects, then what can be done? And he said that we need to look at whether there are circumstances that might warrant still sharing the information, such as is the patient incapacitated? So that capacity issue is actually super important. So what do you do? You can do a few things. One is you can ask yourself, do you think that perhaps uh, my older parents or this older person may have lost the capacity, so lost the sort of mental abilities to properly make that decision and assess the pros and cons and understand the consequences of making that decision to say, you know, no, the doctor cannot speak to you. Now, you're not going to decide on capacity yourself because the average person isn't qualified to do it. But if you think that it's a possibility, then you definitely want to mention that to the doctor and consider bringing up, you know, reminding the doctor that HIPAA does permit doctors to disclose information to family members when a patient is incapacitated or is otherwise unable to consent to the disclosure. 
And you also want to bring it up because the doctor may not realize that the patient may be having difficulties with capacity. As a family member, people often know a lot more about an older person than the doctor might. So again, you can voice those concerns about capacity in a phone call and also add them in writing. And then the other angle that you can consider is, has anyone been designated as durable power of attorney for healthcare? Many clinicians will just speak to somebody who is an authorized durable power of attorney for healthcare. Now, the person named in the durable power of attorney should have the authority to act. And that partly depends on how the durable power of attorney form is drafted. Some of them only um, give the power to the agent when the person completing the form is incapacitated. And then normally it'll say something about how incapacity can be determined. If it says because the person has been deemed incapacitated by the doctor, but the person is refusing to go to the doctor for the evaluation in the first place, then families can end up in a bit of a bind there. But uh, So those are called springing powers of attorney. Or some power of attorney documents, the ones for healthcare in California, have a little box that the person signing can check off that says, my agent's authority is effective immediately versus just when they're incapacitated. So you want to take a look at that because sometimes actually when people look into it, they discover that they do have authority under the power of attorney form. And so that can be another means of them getting the health information that they need from clinicians, even if their older parent or someone else is resisting or is objecting. Of course, even if you're legally permitted to get this information about your parent's health or about another older person, that person may well be quite angry at you if you go ahead and do it and they find out about it. So you do want to proceed with caution because one of the many things that people have to balance is the sort of the state of the relationship, right? But if you have good reason to believe that an older person's insight and judgment are impaired, then it may be ethically reasonable to override their um, preference for privacy and their right to autonomy. Because remember, we're always kind of balancing different things. We do want to respect people's autonomy and what they want for themselves. And we have to balance that against other things, not only our concern for their health and safety, but often one can make a case that by overriding them, you're actually going to help them achieve what they want for themselves, which is usually to maintain their health and well-being well enough to remain independent and keep living where they are for as long as possible. So, of course, uh, the very best approach to this kind of situation is when older adults plan ahead and discuss with their adult children or other people what they should do if the older person ever seems to become mentally impaired and is refusing assistance. Unfortunately, most people don't get around to doing this. It either doesn't occur to them that this could happen to them or they don't like to think about it. But if you're the planning ahead type, you could consider that possibility and consider how you might make it possible for your adult children or others to have those conversations with the doctors, even if at the time there you're reluctant or resistant to it. So next question that I've seen come up for families is, does a power of attorney for healthcare give me the right to access my parents' health information? So if you've been listening, you probably by now know the answer to this. And the answer is yes. HIPAA does give a patient's authorized personal representative the right to access information, and a personal representative is defined as a person authorized under state or other applicable law to act on behalf of the individual in making healthcare decisions. So if you're the durable power of attorney for healthcare, 
and you're currently authorized to act. So as I was just mentioning, that partly depends on uh, how the power of attorney document is drafted and what it says about when you are authorized to act as an agent. But if you're authorized to act, then you do have a right to access your parents' health information. And HIPAA essentially says that the personal representative has the right to do um I think almost everything that the patient could do for themselves, including directing providers to release the information to third parties, whether those are other clinicians or just other individuals. And now for the uh, fifth and final FAQ that I was going to cover in this episode, my parents want their doctors to share health information with me. How can we make sure the doctors do this? So the best approach is for your parents to bring this up with their doctors and ask what should be documented to ensure this. So again, HIPAA does permit disclosure under many more circumstances than, uh, than many doctors and patients and families realize. And at the same time, those disclosures are permitted, not required. So doctors can decline unless it's the sort of uh, written request from the patient or the patient's representative to disclose the information. So the best thing is to be proactive and ask the involved doctors ahead of time. What do you want or require in order to feel comfortable disclosing this information or for it to be as sort of easy and smooth as possible? And many providers or health systems will ask the patient to sign something specifying uh, the people who can be spoken to. Another good option which can be done sort of in conjunction is to have your parents designate you or someone else in the family as the durable power of attorney for healthcare and consider the question of whether to make that authority effective immediately, because that means that if something comes up, the agent won't have to prove that their older parent or that the person signing the document is actually incapacitated in order to take action. So now let me share a few final practical tips for you to keep in mind if you ever want to talk to a doctor about a relative's health care. So number one, plan ahead if possible. So older adults should consider how their family might be able to communicate with doctors in the event of an emergency. So you don't want to assume that everything will be fine if you do nothing, because often things are harder than they need to be. Instead, as I was just mentioning, you want to find out how one's usual doctors would be most comfortable disclosing health information and complete release of information forms ahead of time if possible. And then uh, be sure to have completed that durable power of attorney for healthcare form and consider making giving the agent authority to act immediately and not having to wait for incapacity if possible. It's also a good idea. Um, in this episode, we've talked a lot about HIPAA. But actually, some states have laws governing the release of medical information as well. So it's a good idea to research your state's laws governing disclosure of health information to family and friends. Most states have laws similar to HIPAA, but some have a few extra ones. You should also bear in mind that sometimes for certain types of health information that's considered particularly sensitive, there may be additional requirements. So if, for instance, there have been mental health issues or substance abuse issues that have come up, you may want to sort of make sure that there aren't particular restrictions related to those that you should be aware about and that you might consider how to accommodate ahead of time. And then when you're actually in a situation in which you're trying to get health information, it can help if you're prepared to politely help inform clinicians 
of what HIPAA permits, because many clinicians may not realize that HIPAA does allow them to talk to you about your relative's health, depending on the circumstances. So it could potentially be useful to print out a copy of a few of the relevant FAQs. And I'm referring here to the FAQs published on the government's HIPAA website, which is maintained by the Office for Civil Rights, which is the agency responsible for enforcing HIPAA. And again, you'll find links to those FAQs in the show notes for this episode. So especially the FAQs for professionals related to disclosures to family and friends, those could be very helpful to print out and bring in if you think that you might encounter some reluctance or resistance and you don't already have any of those written authorizations at hand. But remember, HIPAA permits clinicians to make these disclosures under those circumstances, but it's not required. And that's part of why you want to be polite, right? You want to just reassure people that they're not going to be running afoul of the law by talking with you, but you often cannot force them to disclose information unless you're going to go the sort of right to access route and you're an authorized personal representative. And so that wraps up what I want to share about HIPAA today. Of course, there's lots, lots more to HIPAA that I did not address in this episode. There's a whole thorny field of compliance issues for providers. And then there's more that people can learn if they're interested in learning about the safety and protection of their medical information. But my goal here was to just give you a good practical start that might enable you to more effectively get the information you need from health providers when you have an older relative who is unwell and you're trying to help out. Again, I do have some super useful links uh, that I will post in the show notes and even more links that are in the related article. So if you want to follow up on that, I recommend checking out some of those links. And otherwise, I hope that next time you're trying to get information from a provider that, that, um, that you're able to do so because it's really important. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Carnison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.